Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Imagine a year where they made a spin-off of Sherlock Holmes. Whoa, that sounds novel and original. What year is that, Zach? The year is 1924. Welcome to Oldie But A Goodie. Welcome back and welcome to the year 1924. It's the future, I guess, compared to last week, which was 1923. And I'm going to be talking about the movie Sherlock Jr. But first, I've got to find my troublesome co-host somewhere in these civilians out here on the street. I'm going to walk up to this one. Hello, what is your... You look familiar. Well, hello there, sir. Fancy meeting you here exactly one year later. What? Is this the sand? Man, is that what's going on? You don't get that reference, but just wait. Actually, you'll be dead when it comes out. Um, A man made of sand? Sounds ridiculous. Preposterous. No, it is me, Harry Grindel Matthews, once again. Yes, now last time we met, which was last year for you, yes. uh, last week for me, don't question it. Um, what? You had some sort of uh, inventor to stop cars and planes and stuff, right? I had an electric death ray, yes, yes, that I have sold off to the government. Oh, you have sold it off now. You successfully sold it to the government. Well, not legally. What does that but for mean? The, for the most part, yes. And I have proven it, obviously, with tests in the field um, that would definitely not affect. But this year, I've come up with a new invention. Oh, great. You got another one? What is it? Oh, absolutely. I've created... A sky projector that's going to project pictures into the clouds. Oh. I've already projected an angel saying Happy Christmas. Uh Uh-huh. And a very accurate clock face. Yes. Into the sky. Wow. Wow. How did you fake this one? (laughs) Fake? How dare you, sir? How dare you? In fact, I'm not going to even dignify that with a response, sir. How dare you accuse me of faking my things? I am a genius, and Mm. I have come up with many great inventions. In fact, last time we met, I noticed a strange device uh, that uh, your companion Mm, is using. Yes, yes. And I've come up with something similar by studying that things. Oh, no. One that might send you even further into the past. Oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, oh, don't point it at me. Oh, I hope that Zach <laughs> it comes and does Cronenberg Take shit and changes the, into the sky. Whoa. 
Hey. Hello. How's it going, Sandro? Oh, hey, it's this guy again. Just in the nick of time, I was about to be shot by him again. Oh my god, it's the orphan. What's going on? Does anybody have any money for bread? Oh, hey, orphan. Oh, um, I had a guest for this week. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, 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 shoot the orphan, I guess. I Whoa! mean, yep. um, not like that. <laughs> oh, chick, chick. All right. Kapow. Kablamo. Hi. Oh, my God. It's Rob Lloyd. <laughs> How are we all doing? Oh, we're in some high concept shit, man. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. I hope I get a hope I get a roadmap to figure out all the deep layers and stuff like that. You, David Lynch has got nothing on you guys. Mm. <laughs> You're only getting fan roadmaps. This this one <laughs> this one goes far too deep. That's fine. As long as there's like um you know, uh, uh, a finder word in the corner and um mm. sort of like a, a, cr- a crossword where every word is hamburger, then that's the type <laughs> of map I want. What do the red lights mean? What do the traffic lights mean? Yeah, <laughs> mm. Twin Peaks flashback. <laughs> Rob, welcome to 1924. Zach, welcome to 1924. We're going to discuss a little movie called Sherlock Jr. by Buster Keaton. Excellent. Very excited for this. Woohoo! Now, Zach, you chose this one because uh, rumor has mm-hmm. it, you big Sherlock boy. What? What? <laughs> Excuse? <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> you, How dare you, you sir. enjoy the Sherlock's. In yeah, fact, yeah. I think you may have gotten me to watch the Moffat Sherlock thing. Oh, maybe. I think it was at your place when I watched that first. And honestly, how dare you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I feel zero guilt, uh, <laughs> because Sherlock is great, and every iteration of it's good, mm. especially the Benedict Cumberbatch one. Um, I have to go now. <laughs> um... Well, the first three seasons are decent, I guess. <laughs> no, no, yeah, look, that one fell off pretty hard, but uh, the Robert Downey Jr. one, though, that one's pretty good. You that do like that good. one, don't I'll, you? I'll st- yeah, yeah, I'll stand by that one forever, but yeah, I love, I love Sherlock, I love the old books. Mm. Of the, it's a classic detective tale, and there's a million interpretations of it. And I was like, "Oh, another one! Let let's do that." And another one, but also one of the first ones, because I think there weren't any full length Sherlock films at this point. There was the short movies, the short film collections from previous years, and uh, yeah, this twist on the story, but a fanfic. Rob, your first ever. Uh, solo live show was a Sherlock thing as well, wasn't it? Whoa! Indeed it was. I'm a, a, a Holmesian fan. Um, uh, adore uh, all things uh, Holmesian. So yeah, at this time, like 1924, um, Conan Doyle was still alive. Um, the, the famous iconic representation of uh, Sherlock Holmes that people know now was actually created by an American actor called William Gillette who wrote his own play called Sherlock Holmes and toured it all around America. So, like, at the end of it, Sherlock Holmes gets married and all this type of stuff. But it was um, William Gillette who created that iconic profile of Holmes with the uh, the, the big uh, pipe. Mm. Because in, in the original stories... Holmes smoked cigarettes and all different types of pipes. and um, But they used that one because it was easier for William Gillette to say his lines out of while he was on stage. <laughs> ah. um, so, so, yeah, look at this time, 1924. Sh- Sherlock Holmes is still quite 
it wasn't like we grew up grow with a well, I'm older than you guys, obviously. What? But you know, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, what? just 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 a little bit. Hang just on. a little bit. Wait, hang on a second. Uh, in, the, in this timeline, you're an orphan, actually, and you're like twelve, I think. So. That's right. That's right. Did you just um actually Rob? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, so yeah, I'm like Benjamin Button. I'm I'm going backwards in time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this like. Sherlock was at its peak or when it was first out, like at the 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 last ten years of the of the nineteenth century. Yeah. So at this point in nineteen twenty four, Sherlock Holmes had been around like, what about thirty years or so. So this is sort of like you know from you know this is less time than us now when the first Star Wars film came out. Wow. So Sherlock yeah. Holmes is still mm. very much current and new and popular um and uh and so very much there in um in in the conscience of you know all mainstream media especially america just yummed up sherlock holmes because it was such an iconically british thing and something about americans they love um you know that quintessential british type stuff yeah 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 and i mean this film i'm i'm a big buster keaton fan so i was already gonna enjoy it but this is this is this is a good one. This is really good. It, it does. It's not really a Sherlock movie. It's a Buster <laughs> Keaton no. detective movie. <laughs> well, that's 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 the thing, right? This is before the tropes of Sherlock Holmes were established. In this film, it's more sort of like Sherlock is that representation of a great hero, a great detective. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah the iconic image from this poster is. Buster Keaton reading uh, Sherlock Holmes' novel, holding a magnifying glass, but with a fake moustache. So it's it's very much it's the into it. This is mostly more of a story. There's a lot of it about like the love of cinema and getting lost in 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 that celluloid world. There's a lot of experimenting here. Buster Keaton, you know, directed his own films and wrote like films at this time. They started out with shorts and then they started expanding into two reelers, 45 minutes, and then they went into the three reelers with the major motion pictures, like The General. And um, uh, Chaplin was doing this quite a lot with all these major motion pictures. But Keaton preferred working in the shorter format, but expanding it out, he said, let's play with it as much as possible. So there's a lot of visual trickery, a lot of things done on the fly to and and uh not as many big stunts like in say one week or the general but there's still some impressive stuff in 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 this and how he actually manipulates what you can capture on screen in a in a silent movie there's some real genius there yeah i yeah like film being quite new at the time is so fun to watch with stuff like caligari where it's like what can we do with sets and then here what can we do with like the perspective of the camera? I have no idea how they did some of this stuff. I it's amazing, but yeah, uh, we will do some uh, some non spoiler opinions, uh, which we've already been doing, but we'll do more of that, and then we'll get into some spoilers in a second as well. Uh, but other movies that came out in 1924 that we've could have done there was Girl Shy, another Harold Lloyd film, the follow up from uh, from that, which I think I think I've seen that on TV. I'm not sure. The Man Who Gets Slapped, another one uh, that looked interesting, uh, a bit of a clown situation there and we all know that zach loves a good clown (laughs) (laughs) uh sure i'll go with it (laughs) don't know what gives that impression uh peter pan am i the clown here i don't know (laughs) (laughs) am i I being insulted 
I'll allow it. But this does seem like the choice. I mean, Waxworks and stuff. There were some good films from 1924, um, but uh, this one really, really stands out from the pact. Uh, The Last Man on Earth, uh, Dante's Inferno, all that sort of stuff. But this is definitely the pick, I think. Um, You did a good job there. I reckon. Good work, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's a lot of fun. It has that quintessential 1920 setup that Harold Lloyd did really, really well and Chaplin skewered in his own magnificent way. But it's a very simple, quirky, offbeat, sort of like isolated loner-type hero, mm-hmm. smug and meek, who's you know got that quite juvenile, naive uh, love affair with the young girl and forces mm. getting in his way and how he can use his tenacity, his... S- quit wits his um, imagination to uh, uh, get out of situations. But in this story as well, the, 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 the girl, the love interest, isn't just a fawning flower. She's actually quite, she's got ingenuity, she solves problems, and uh, that's a great thing that she's not just there to, you know, the trophy. Um, she's actively involved in this story as well, which I really like. And, and then, but... Once we get more into the film, there's those added layers of experimenting with visual effects and um, and and uh, vaudeville trickery that like skills that he was taught by his dad when he was a young uh, vaudeville performer that he brought uh, to the film. So there's ex- it's a great representation of the joy of the silent era um, and someone who's at the peak of their skill, um, really exploring what they can do within the medium. Yeah. Now, Zach, this year, um, well, over the last month, you've mm. experienced for the first time a full-length Chap film, <laughs> The Chap, yep. uh, a full-length Howard Lloyd film, and now a full-length Buster Keaton film. Who's your favourite now? Because you've seen the holy trinity of of boys from the 20s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. And you know how, like, preschool teachers will be like, they're all winners, you know? Yep. And and it's no one's really a winner. You all win. That's bullshit. So I'm going to choose this film. This film's my favorite. This one's your favorite? Yeah, this one's my favorite. I don't know if it, whether it's just because it's the one I've seen most recently. Because <laughs> I liked all of them. I laughed a lot at this one. I thought this one was very funny. It's really interesting how that legacy of that silent era has has carried on because Chaplin has become sort of like the iconic, the go-to figure for the silent era. And at the time, Chaplin would spend so long on developing and creating a film. He'd release a film every couple of years and everyone would swarm to it. Yeah. People like Harold Lloyd would make films constantly. He was making two or three films a year. And Mm. so he was the popular choice and he'd get all the people into the cinema during the 1920s. Mm. But that same body of people that he would have to come see his movies two or three times a year would all go see one film whenever Chaplin came out. But because Chaplin was the... Once the silent era moved on into the talkies and then when we moved into television, Chaplin was the first person to go to the television networks and go, here's my films, show them on TV. So, And then because of that, he got this resurgence in popularity and became this icon through television. Yeah. Keaton soon followed and Keaton went, well, I'll do what he did. So he had the same 
sort of like legacy continue, but not to the same extent. And Harold Lloyd always went, no, 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 I can't. No, my, my films need to be seen on the big screen. They can't be contaminated by on a small screen. But then he saw how he was being forgotten. Mm. He came to it a bit late. He came to it to get like a compilation film shown at Cannes, which was great success and sold all his stuff to television. But he missed that boat. And so that's why he's known as the, you know, the third uh, genius, the forgotten genius, because yeah, yeah. He, he didn't jump on that bandwagon like... Yeah. Whereas I think uh, both of them are, uh, I don't want to say better than Charlie Chaplin, but better people at least. <laughs> what? What a hot take that is. Whoops, whoops. <laughs> Did that slip out? I meant better actors and other things. Uh, sorry. So maybe, 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 I sh- maybe I shouldn't tell you that uh, Harold Lloyd uh, oh, married, no. his, married his um his co-star from Safety Last, and they fell in love. But but then he forbid her from doing movies ever again, and she had oh, to stay home. Oh damn it! <laughs> oh, I didn't say that last episode. Oh no, <laughs> we just focused on the fact that they stayed together, and she wasn't underage. That's what I saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, totally. Yeah, proper age or consensual. But then he went, yeah, you can just stay home and raise the kids. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, we were sorry. so happy that there was nothing problematic last week. <laughs> not as problematic, clearly, not as problematic as um, Anne Chaplin, but yeah. Uh, what problematic thing did Buster Keaton do? <laughs> um, he was an alcoholic. Uh, we all are. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. We live in Australia. Everyone is. All right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Phew. Okay. I don't know much about Keaton as a person, aside from that he just seems really busy because he's doing, I think it was uh, the year we did The Kid, he had like five movies out, like The Goat, The Boat, The Haunted House, like so many films in like one year. He just seemed like he was, he was very, very, very busy. Well, that's the thing about the 20s. It's incredible because it was all silent. They didn't really need scripts. What they would do is they'd come up with set pieces. Um, Harold Lloyd talked about this. Um, Keaton talked about it as well. Um, where they would, obviously Chaplin was different because he would plan his within an inch degree, an inch degree and have every shot and every frame figured out. But most silent filmmakers would just have a rough idea and they'd just get a camera, get a couple of people together, no permits needed, no no occupational health and safety. Let's go, <laughs> okay, well, let's do this trick. Okay, let's set it all up, film it. Let's film this segment and go, okay, well, how are we going to, you know, connect all these disparate um, action scenes together? And then they'd figure out a plot backwards and they'd just film it as they went. And that's how silent movies were made and they were fixed in the edit. The storyline was shaped with a a text card on the screen. It's 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 an amazing way of filmmaking. And then when you move into sound, you lose that spontaneity because you need to have everything planned, everything figured out, everything needs to be rehearsed, everything needs to be practiced. So they lost a lot of that spontaneous ingenuity. And so many filmmakers could just go out, get a camera and make a silent film um, wherever they wanted. That's why there were so many independent studios, so many filmmakers, so many films like could be made in a year. So, you know, Keaton made five or six short films a year. Um, So it's an amazing era of filmmaking when, you know, you could just go out and you didn't have to get permits or, or, you know, all this type of stuff. You could just make whatever you want and then back end figure out how it all connects into some sort of story. Hey, that's how we did the Twilight episode. (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, no, that's why I think Friday the 13th is a really good throwback to the silent era, because they didn't have a script. No. They had kills. <laughs> and then they figured it all out in post. Yeah. It works. <laughs> Which is why potentially some of the more plot-heavy stuff, I mean, mainly Nosferatu, Zach, like why that's probably the, the least favorite one we've done this year, because it was so plot heavy that it wasn't as i guess fun or 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 it didn't flow as well i think as the others yeah well i i i liked it i liked it i thought it was good the problem is that the horror element just doesn't hold up whereas the comedy aspects of these movies hold up amazingly well this humor is is eternal whereas the horror aspect has definitely dropped down now now it's it, it's it's just not scary. It's just not <laughs> scary. I'm interested by uh, on what you think. I've been saying this all year, Rob. Um, that like comedies were timeless until people started talking in them. <laughs> That's my take. <laughs> well, it's really weird because when I was growing up, um, everyone was saying, "Oh, we can't connect with the silent era. We can't connect with those movies. They're just so different to how we like comedy now." Because once the talkies started comedy shifted from being this physical art form and what you can capture in an image and the world is in that celluloid frame with um the talkies that's where um the wise guy fast talking uh characterization came that's why laurel and hardy was able to adapt from silent to talkies because their characters were so defined and you could almost hear their voices in the silent era and they just transitioned perfectly. Everybody else struggled. Laurel and Hardy just shifted over. But then you've got Abbott and Costello, which is the wise guy and the straight guy and the funny guy. That That is what cinema became about. Comedy was more verbal sparring. Like, you know, who's on first? One of the most classic vaudevillian slash, you know, old school sketches that only works. It's two guys talking and showing how clever they are with their words. And you could never do that in the silent era, but you lose so much of that beautiful physicality, which is universal. Hence, you know, Rowan Atkinson's most defining character will always be Mr. Bean because everyone can watch Mr. Bean, no matter which country you're in. It's fascinating how we lost a lot of that physicality. And now, especially in modern era, the the film the cinematic comedy is is really finding it hard to find its place because so few big screen comedies coming out that succeed. Yeah. So we are at a point now, when I was a kid growing up, we always look back at the silent eras. It's not funny, we can't connect with it. But now we look back at it and we go, no, this is universal. This lasts, you know, no matter how old. This is timeless comedy. Um, so, yeah, that's a great discovery that it was losing its way in the 90s and the 80s. And now it's got this resurgence of going, no, this is in many ways more powerful and more contemporary than um, than cinema now. Yeah. Anything else to mention, Zach? Or do we want to get into uh, what, what, what the audience think of this before we do some spoilers? No, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, this, this movie was good. <laughs> I liked it. It's a good. Is that a goodie from you then? It's a, it's a goodie from me. A goodie from you. A goodie from me too. I it, it's it's a lot of fun. Even if you're like you're not vibing with it for the first maybe fifteen minutes, just wait because it gets real good. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, a goodie from me definitely. How about you, Rob? Yeah, definitely a goodie. Just beautiful. Yeah, beautiful, simple setup premise to begin with. Then it goes into some really clever artistic out there scenes quite surreal which you don't expect and then all comes back in a, in a beautiful way 
I was yelling at my screen, how are they doing this? Like, yes. Yeah, yeah some I had pitchforks and torches. So I was like, <laughs> this witchcraft! How can they do this? No CGI. It's all like in-camera tricks yeah. and paint. Yeah, it's, it's incredible to see. You just go, take that, camera. Hello, my name is Brucker Nurse, and I want to tell you about my fun horror movie podcast called Autopsy of a Horror Movie. On my show, I like to have fun dissecting out what makes a horror movie scary, what worked for it, what didn't, what types of fears does it play off of. Is it an allegory for any sort of message? I don't know, but let's find out. Also, I like to watch slashers. I'm a big slasher guy, so I'll watch a slasher and do a kill grade for it. I will cover the kills and I will tell you how I would grade it based on shock, method, style points, and a fourth category that is a reflection of the movie. Besides those, I'll have fun with special topic episodes, commentary tracks, interviews with guests, including some Shutter directors, so i just like to have a fun time over here. If any of this sounds interesting to you or you just want to come check me out, please head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere they listen to podcasts and search for Autopsy of a Horror Movie. Also be sure to find me on Instagram at Brucker Horror, where you get fun updates and some cool little posts that I do. Thanks for listening, and I hope that you get to enjoy the show, and I'll see you on Instagram. Bye. Now, you you fellas, you boys. That's us. You <laughs> gentlemen. I say the word boys a lot this week. Hey, look. I don't know why. Uh, I've watched the boys recently, so that doesn't help. You guys have do- done a few rotten reviews in your day. Mm, we've gone toe-to-toe a few times. Absolutely. This year, I'm trying something new and different. I'm experimenting. Ooh. I'm changing it up. Oh, much like cinema in the 20s. I like it. Yeah. I'm trying to figure it out as I'm going along. <laughs> um, and uh, I've got a few reviews for this week's movie. I'm not sure what format I'm going with yet, but I'm going to try something this week. So I'm going to read out some reviews yep. to you. And you've got to guess whether or not they are uh, my review, because I've put my review in there, a letterbox review, or a Rotten Tomatoes review. Now, Rob, do you know the difference between letterboxed and Rotten Tomatoes? Because you are in letterboxed. I am on Letterboxd. I love Letterboxd. Um, I've dropped off over the last couple of months, but I do get back on there and review. So, yes, I definitely am very familiar with Letterboxd, and I'm aware that apparently Rotten Tomatoes is quite important if you get a fresh rating. I don't... People tell me it's important, so yeah. No, they're lying. (laughs) Um, But also... The difference is that uh, Letterbox has film bros. Yo! And, uh, I'm more of a movie bro myself, honestly. Yeah. No, you're a film bro. No, I call them movies. Uh, <laughs> okay. And um, Rotten Tomatoes has bros that have watched a film. <laughs> <laughs> and don't know how to use a computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or write a review. Um, so, so that's the main difference for you. I'm just going to read them out, and uh, after each one, you can, you can have a little, little guess. Yeah, at what platform they're from. This sounds fun. Robert says, it always surprises me that they had humour in the old days. <laughs> That's letterboxed. <laughs> yeah, I'll go letterboxed as well. That's the most letterboxed review I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, fun fact, gentlemen, that one was my one. Oh. I put it straight at the start. Yeah, no one expects me to put my reviews right at and the start. And you made the there. name our guest's <laughs> full legal name. That's so rude of you. 
uh, now that that one's out of the way, Liam says, Benedict Cumberbatch could never. Could he do slapstick, Rob? Um, I think so. He's too stiff. He does. He does have the physicality of he's quite tall and gangly, um, but he hasn't really. He takes himself way too seriously. Um, I'll say that was letterboxed. Uh, I don't think people on Letterboxd would reference Sherlock because it's too normy for them. So I'm going to say it's from Tomatoes. They are film bros, so that might be too normy. Uh, but it was from Letterboxd, actually. So that's a point to Rob. <laughs> we have uh, Molly, who says, A wonderful gem from the silent film era. Cretan combines incredible stunts with fantastic visual gags mm. to create one of the best movies I've ever seen. Mm. A breathtaking film. Mm, that's quite positive and long. And uh, people on Letterboxd only know how to do setup and punchline. So that is Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> See, I haven't got that memo. I've been looking at everyone on Letterboxd and they just do two lines. I'm going, oh, I'm doing this wrong because I wrote like paragraphs on Letterboxd. <laughs> no, I like your ones though. They're very informative and do let me know whether or not I should watch Marry Me starring Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I was expecting the whole Nerd Out crew to show up for that one. Yeah, I wasn't married to that idea. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> we all saw Megan though, so that's fine. We did see Megan. Have you heard a conversation between Jennifer Coolidge and Owen Wilson? Wow. 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 That would be, wow. Wow would be insufferable, and I like them both. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my Seth Meyer joke right there. Um, I'd say uh, Rotten Tomatoes. That is Rotten Tomatoes. So a point each. A point each on the borderoni. What? No, that's good. No, stick in it. Lean into it. Lean into it. We have uh, Brian, who says the first half is a bit slow at times, but stick with it. You'll be wowed and impressed by the second half. Wow. Not sure how they pulled some of those shots off. Wow. Uh, say tomatoes as well. You're going to say tomatoes? It was very well articulated. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go letterboxed. I'm going to go letterboxed because... Um, well, you need, mm. a, you need to pick something different if you're going to get the points. Exactly. Here, that, that, that's to, what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah. So I'll go letterboxed. You're, you're gaming the system. Uh, yeah. Uh, but Rob's still going to get yeah, the point. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely rotten tomatoes. Doesn't matter how much you try and game it. And finally, we have Jason, who says, I've never asked myself, how did they do that? Watching a Michael Bay film. Sherlock Jr. had been asking that question repeatedly. <laughs> it's 91 years old. Well, it's 99 at the moment. This was written eight years ago. Yeah, and, um, correct. Was Letterboxd around eight years ago? I actually don't know. I'm not a real film bro, so I don't know that. I wasn't there day one. Unless you've messed it up and it's not an equal number of Rotten Tomatoes. And Letterboxd reviews, <laughs> which I think you've done. I'm going to say Rotten Tomatoes. I'm saying Rotten Tomatoes. Look at him. Well, I'll just, I'll, I think it's Rotten Tomatoes as well, but I'll go for Letterboxd just to make it a, the, the competition a bit more interesting. Ah, oh, don't do that, Rob. Go with, the, go with the one that gives you the most points, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the correct answer. All right. Okay. Well, I'll go with uh, Tomatoes. Ah, you fools! It was Letterboxd! Oh, <laughs> wow. You got that puzzle wrong. Oh, you're, 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 you're the anti-Eddie Maguire. <laughs> you sure you want to lock that in? You're just going, nah, fucking come on, go for the wrong answer, you cunt. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm the anti <laughs> The host and then you're sticking guy, your yeah. middle finger up as you're doing it, giving everyone the bird, and you're <laughs> yeah, farting yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you are. 
Yeah, that's how I lost my job on the big screen. They didn't like it when you flipped off the audience on live television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, le- we're, yeah, we live and we learn. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I, I, I believe that leaves uh, Rob mm-hmm. as the winner of this week. Yes, Rob is the winner. Congratulations, Rob. Good work. Uh, you may continue to do the episode. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I feel, I feel so validated. <laughs> All right, let's uh, smoothie on over to the spoiler section. What the Schmoozy on over. So that's what they did back in the day. This is. We started recording at twelve thirty in the afternoon, listeners. This usually happens in the evening. But anyway, <laughs> you would have only got you would have only gotten up like five or ten minutes beforehand, right, Sandra? No, not this week. I mean, next week, yes, because I'm working on theatre, but not this week. <laughs> this week, I've got an actual normal sleep schedule. Whoa! <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. Tell me, tell me what's that's like after the show. That's your holiday. Your holiday is waking up at like eight thirty. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Uh, some spoilers that we can get into. Um, the plot here is, I mean, it's very simple, so we can quickly talk about that. Uh, Buster Keaton, he plays a theatre projectionist, um, who is in love with movies, loves, uh, I guess, the idea of all the great romances he sees on the, on the screen. Um, and he's got a thing for, for a woman who is only called, uh, the girl, because it's the 20s. Yep. Mm. Well, a lot of a lot of Harold Lloyd movies, the girl, and he was always just known as the boy. Mm, like mm. he didn't have a character name; there's just the, the 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 spectacles guy or the guy. That's another reason why we keep saying the boys is because in multiple films now we've had a character just named the boy, <laughs> yeah, and the girl. Well, because Buster Keaton doesn't have a character name in this either. He's just you know, like he plays Sherlock Junior when he's in his fantasy world, but he's never called Buster or or Derek. That's one of the things I actually liked about these films. Is you don't actually need to know the names of the characters to get what's happening. Yeah, it's kind of like it's an interesting thing about like now modern movie stars they kind of become. Well, if you look at someone like The Rock, you go to see The Rock play pretty much himself every single film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and th- those characters build up, a char- those actors build up a charisma that they shift slightly. So like Tom Hanks, he pretty much the same. He may play a bit of a bad, you know, a cranky guy in Otto or something like that, but he's fundamentally the same. Um, where in this time as well, they created this persona. So Chaplin had The Tramp, character it was a different and that was transplanted in whatever film he was keaton developed his character with the stone face but it was kind of the same character in all the different situations same with harold lloyd he had his glasses character who was like this young earnest naive kid and it Mm. it's like defining it that way and that character can appear in whatever film you're doing yeah it's interesting how how they did because i think even in Safety last, we see uh, Harold Lloyd's name, I think, um, on like a letter or something, and it's just Harold Lloyd. Like he's literally playing the character that is him, which I think is really interesting. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it goes to show that when Buster Keaton becomes Sherlock in this movie, his performance does change as well, which I think is quite good. Yes. A good range. But anyway, um, he's given gifts to the girl. He's like, hey, here's some chocolate that I'm going to pretend was more expensive than it actually was. Uh, here's a ring. Here's this and that. Um, but he's got a bit of competition in uh, the the local chic is the, is the character's name. Uh, and he's, oh uh, he's stealing stuff to pay for gifts to give to her. 
and blaming it when he's when it's called out, blaming it on uh, our our poor old uh, uh, Buster. He, he does a sneaky and slips slips the receipt into his pocket. Now there's a, fi- a funny moment where like the 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 father of the girl when he realizes that Buster is the one who's doing it, you know, he's being framed, obviously, but you see him in tears, like he's crying Mm. and he's there going, I have to say, never come back. And he's like really upset with it. Like he's not like the stereotypical dad of going, get the hell out of here, you young, you know, and, you know, and get the hell off my property. He's there going, I can't believe I've got to say goodbye to you, man. I really believed in you. It's it's quite beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It was good. And also that guy was played by... Joe Keaton, Buster Keaton's dad. Oh! oh. There you go. Well, no wonder you were so upset to say goodbye. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's kicked out, told to never come back, uh, lies and slander by uh, the local sheik, which is it's just kind of funny that they call him that. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he's told to leave and never return. Uh, he follows the sheik around, which is a great scene. There's a bit of a chase sequence with the train. He, he he really ghosts him. He sh- he shadows him like a hawk. It's 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 an incredible sequence. Like the camera just follows them, how in step they are, and that beautiful moment where he stops, picks up the cigarette, has a puff. You see the smoke. He throws it. Caught by Keaton, smokes it. Doesn't like it. Throws it again, and it's just this amazing sequence that you don't see anywhere else like it it, you've got like the iconic uh mirror scene with harpo marx and um groucho in uh, duck soup but this is like the energy you feel that energy you feel like even though it's like nearly 100 years ago you feel like you are literally watching it as like in a in a in a model t4 driving along you feel like you're right (laughs) You feel like you're right there watching them do this, going, this is friggin' amazing. I have to be careful with those vehicles. The whole top can slide off them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And yeah, as you you mentioned earlier, I like how uh, the character of the girl then does her own research. Like, it's only, like, two scenes, but she then, like, goes to mm. the pawn shop and is like, hey... The, did the person who sell the watch, what did they look like? And he's like, it looked like that guy right there. And the villain's out there. He just happened to be walking past <laughs> that very moment. Oh, my God. It's the sheik and not my love interest. Thank heavens he walked by. I wouldn't be able to describe him any other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, she's the one who goes out. She finds out it's the sheik. She then goes to the projection room to find him. It's really good. Like, he was, you know, distressed and going off in his fantasy world. And she's the one who goes, no, I've spoken to my dad i've sorted it all out i've taken care of it and i like i love that proactive type of you know you know she's she's getting the guy she wants yeah no i really liked that uh she did stuff wow yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a very it's a very low bar in the 20s that we're going wow she walked out of a room into a different place well it, it is it is an interesting choice to not have the main character solve the issue of the movie the, the issue, which is a small bit of the movie, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But, like, it wasn't the main character who did it. It was the love interest, and they solved it all, and mm-hmm. and they get together in the end. Meanwhile, he's going off on a dreamscape adventure into cinema. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Which is an incredible, incredible sequence. That whole setup of how they establish it. You don't realize it until 
the actual moment happens, but they establish this is the shot of the audience watching the screen from Buster Keaton's point of view from the projection room. Then it has all the close-ups and then it cuts to the long shot and it's the exact same shot. So you have established in your mind, right, well, this is the movie. And then you have Buster just walk straight on into the screen and you don't realize how beautifully and how beautifully lit it is in black and white for you to actually think it's a screen and not just actors on a stage it's yeah beautifully set up that was fantastic it, it, it had a the, the two seconds where my brain just broke <laughs> yeah for a second because you don't expect them to do that in movies at this time no no <laughs> you know? no uh even even the effect just before then of him like dream walking where his, like, spirit leaves his body. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, isn't it? Like, I was watching it, and then I went, oh, yeah, they didn't have CGI or anything back then. This is very well done. And it's it, it, the simplicity of it makes it so beautiful. Nowadays, you do sort of, like, you'd have sparkles, and you'd have <laughs> light shining out. Yeah, and just Radiohead plane. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just have the simple process of just layering two lots of film over the same mm-hmm. image is just magic and it comes across so simplistic and so pure and so good and then yeah he walks into the screen and the scene changes as well because it kind of goes from him like (laughs) he's on uh the steps leading up to a house and then the scene changes he's in a garden and he falls and it's it's mostly seamless like there's a few obvious cuts here and there but it mostly looks seamless which is great and the orchestra kind of framing the the scene as well because it's all shown um from the perspective of a movie theater i don't think they ever move i'd have to go back and check but like wow yeah 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 movers in in the jump cuts yeah i think they've they've like filmed it and then cut out the middle bit and placed another film in there so that there's no cuts for the actual orchestra around the film bit which is very clever and well done yeah and uh i i found it very amusing where he like uh goes to talk with the the sheik on the screen he turns he, he gets knocked off he climbs back up and as he's about to confront him the scene changed and it's now a doorway mm-hmm. and then i was trying to figure out what film they're playing where they just uh, jump to different scenes. It's a David Lynch movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's what I came to the conclusion was that this was a that this was an art house garbage playing on screen. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Like this amazing stuff. Like when he's knocked out of the screen, he rolls and falls onto the piano where the conductor is. Falls on the conductor, hits the bar, goes down on the bar onto the floor, and then gets up and climbs back over that exact same format. God, you could you could break your neck doing stunts like that. Oh, are we are we getting into the production? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's um, the the iconic uh, scene where he's uh, chasing, where he's uh, shadowing uh, the villain, the Sheik, um, and he gets locked up in uh, the train, and so he has to climb out the top of the train. As the train is moving off, he's going from carriage to carriage to carriage. He gets to the water tank, holds onto the tank, waits for the train to go past brings it down, a gush of water falls on him, he lands on the train track, 
Um, the workers come along, see him, and he races off as he's being chased. Yeah. Incredible. All in one shot. Amazing sequence. This is the man who established, you know, the iconic shot that everyone copies of him standing in one position and the facade of the building falls and the one window lands exactly where he is. Yeah. He copied, he did that about two or three times in his movie. This is another grand one shot sequence. Um, and in that sequence, as he landed, the force of the water knocked the metal thing on his uh, head Oof. and it shattered his vertebra. Mm. Oh. And so he literally broke his neck and he had headaches and, and he was knocked out cold for like for a split second and then he carried on with the, the run. But he just felt like, oh, I've just hurt myself or strained my neck. Years later, in 1935, like nine years later, he went to the doctors, they had an x-ray and they went, um, you broke your neck. Yeah. <laughs> You've had it. It's been broken for years. And they traced it back and they went, oh, so, yeah, that he, he literally broke his neck while making uh, a film and um, an inch more to the left or the right or what could have could have killed him. But, um, uh, yeah, and there's a sequence in there. One of the magic tricks is where Keaton jumps up onto the stage and goes through um, a suitcase, which is being held by someone. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was incredible. Yes. That was really good. And he copied that trick again years later in the 50s or the 60s when he was on Ed Sullivan, mm. uh, the Ed Sullivan show. And he revealed in that that was an old trick that his dad invented on their vaudeville act. And so he brought that onto the set and he never revealed the, the secrets of it in his lifetime. But yeah, and that's an amazing sequence. You're literally watching it going... How did they do that? Because I know there is no CGI. There is no Photoshop effects. This is all in camera. And it would have had to have been set up like an old live show uh, illusion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And that character as well, um, Gillette, who is Sherlock's assistant named after the actor, as we now know. Yes. Uh, yes. He was good. He does a whole bunch of stuff. He, um, I liked all the costumes he puts on and various ways he shows up throughout the uh, the Sherlock sequence of the movie. He was really fun. That whole middle sequence where it kind of goes off on a tangent is very much like, you know, Gene Kelly in Singing in the Rain has this whole dream sequence <laughs> yep. where him and Sid Charisse dance. It's got nothing to do with the film, but it's just had so much power and so much clout. He goes, I want to do this sequence. And they go, all right, okay. Mm. And this is the same thing, but it is related to the love of cinema, but it it's not connected to the story of him and the girl. There's, the characters come back and he sees the people in his life in that movie, but it's just an opportunity for him to to explore what in-camera tricks he can do. And even the stuff that isn't, I guess, a stunt is still fun, where uh, he's investigating the Sherlock... He's in their house and the bad guys have got exploding billiard balls. <laughs> and he's um and he's uh he, he's playing pool with them. Oh, but if he hits number 13, the table will explode. And that's just really fun. It was just a fun sequence of events with that with that that pool table that goes on for quite a while as like the characters come in and stuff. Uh I got to see I got to see Sherlock Jr. Um, on the big screen at the Astor oh, about 12 years ago, even longer. Um, and they had a live band perform the music, their yep. own score. Uh, they were called the Blue Grassy Knolls, and they became quite famous of touring the world, creating 
live orchestral music for silent films. Yeah. And there's a great moment when Sherlock Jr. is not following um, the Sheik, that other moment where he's following in the car and he's wearing... So it's in the dream sequence. And during uh, the performance, while he's just about to go into the baddies building, they play the little bit of... And that type of clever music score just brought so much life into it and brought this, you know... At that time, it was, you know, you know, 80, 85, 90-year-old film. Yeah. Uh, really, in, like, actually into that cinema with this packed audience. And, yeah, it's a... Uh, the, the music scores that you get with the videos are great, but to see it live with a live audience, with a live band create the music is something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the ideal way to watch these sort of movies, I think. Mm. I did that for... Uh, it was a bunch of like Chaplin shorts when I was a kid, just like with one guy on the piano. And even that is like such a great way to watch these sort of movies. Um, I think the Astro is doing silent stuff again in like March, maybe? I will have to double check, but I saw that they've got that on their program and I went, yes! Yeah, they do do some silent stuff, but mostly with like a pre-recorded orchestra. If they do any live stuff, that's always a special moment to definitely go out to see. Um, what's some stuff that you liked from this sequence, Zach? There's the chase that happens at the end, of course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. I uh, I alluded to it earlier, but the uh the when the car breaks away off the top, that's that's right at the end. Um, but I I I was not expecting it. <laughs> that was very unexpected for me. I was, I, it was just out of nowhere this happens and I I was laughing. I was this is this is great. I like the uh, the billiard ball and how how that comes into everything. Like we see early on, where they have them tried to kill him, mm-hmm. so they have an explosive billiard ball. They have the seat with an axe. They have this poison, and anything can go wrong. Situation happens where he never sits down on the chair, so it never triggers the axe. Until the guy like leans on it or whatever. <laughs> that was good. The 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 poison where they swap cups and the guy's like, oh no no, this has something in it. And then later on, the guy absentmindedly drinks it and then is like, oh crap, that's the poison. <laughs> he dies after that, probably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that man is dead. Yeah, I can't believe they sacrificed an actor for that scene. Yeah, um, <laughs> they didn't know how to fake poison back then. <laughs> yeah, um, it seems silly because that's like the easiest thing to fake. Oh, look, it was it was no holds barred cinema. It was like, you know, how they used to yeah. do theatre in ancient Rome. Like, they'd, <laughs> if they needed to someone to be mauled by a tiger, they'd just get a Christian slave and have them mauled for, for real. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah. hardcore. Like, the guy broke his neck doing those things. So, like, yeah. When I said break a leg, he took it one step further, you know? <laughs> I'll go further than leg. I'll go with the <laughs> neck. Take that, Zach. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they have like a billiard ball scene where they're knocking the billiard balls yep. and it's all dodging around the one explosive one. Yeah. And then finally at the end of the shot, uh, like a ridiculous amount of a uh, billiard board tricks happens. And then finally at the end, he just hits it and it's fine. And they go, huh? <laughs> that was good. He um, swapped it off screen. He swapped it off screen. Yes. And then. Later on, we have Chekhov's billiard ball, where he uses it to uh, to uh, to escape the bad guys, which I was not expecting. I wasn't expecting him to just be like, oh, yeah, I have this billiard board from earlier. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he does have that. Yeah. I remember they showed us that. Wow. Just, yeah, just that clever layering of everything you need in the scene 
has already been established what you need to final finalize a scene or bring something to an end you've already laid the groundwork so that's why it works so well it's so clever because you've seen it all there before it's not like out of the blue yeah exactly uh, yeah and the and, and the bike the uh the, the motorbike going around <laughs> with was... no driver just so happening to, to drive perfectly everywhere well that's that's another sequence where um where keaton got injured he was like uh, the it the it it, it, it veered off course and slammed into a car and he went um, over the bonnet and all that type of stuff. So oh my yeah, just the just insane. Just yeah. absolutely insane. I liked as well when uh, he's on the bike, he's like going towards what you think is a truck. You're like, he's going to hit the truck. But no, the truck's <laughs> it's just like empty in the middle. That was a good bit of <laughs> a good bit of like forced perspective comedy there. I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The. Uh- the, the, the one where uh, he's going over a bridge and then two trucks go by at the yep. exact right time. Yep. And so he goes over them. Oh, beautiful stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And that type of stuff is uh, lacking in cinema nowadays. of sort of like, what can, you know, what can we show in just one wide shot? Like with yeah. him running across the top of the train. But also, like you said, that forced perspective of something being like tricking the eye. There's a great sequence in uh, One Week where you know you feel as if the train's going to come and knock off and destroy something, but it then veers off at the last minute because of how it's shot. You know what it is? It's because cinema nowadays is lazy. It's lazy. Yeah, I said it because they had to be clever back in the day to make these, you know, mm-hmm. fantastical shots and other things. They had to be really clever to try and get the effects they would want. Nowadays, you just plug it into your old computer, click a few yeah. things, add a few special effects, done. Barely pay some Australian VFX artists and you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And don't give yeah. them enough time. And so when the effects don't have enough time to be rendered or fully captured, yeah. then the director bags them out. <laughs> yeah, makes fun of them. Makes fun of them. So, you know. Like a Taika Waititi. <laughs> Taika took, yeah, he d- knocked a lot of uh, uh, good brownie points off me when he did that. I'm going, dude. Dude, don't don't go shit don't go shit on the uh, the people who actually help you push up. Yeah, that 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 was sad because I quite like him as a director. His films, yeah, uh, like especially his earlier films are fantastic. So that was a bit of a ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he rescues her. Uh, they're in the boat, uh, not not the boat, the car that the, then turns into a boat. The, and then the they top go down chassis of the car that's yep. split off from the bottom bit, which is now a makeshift boat. And then he wakes up and we get a nice moment where she comes into his work and is like, hey, I know what happened. I know the truth and everything. And then he's like taking cues from the movie that's playing <laughs> as to like how to act like, all right, I hold her hands now, etc. And I like how after they kiss, he's like, okay, now what? And then he looks to the screen, it fades to black. And <laughs> it's like a few years later, the characters have like three kids and he's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing. How do you, how, uh, how do you interpret it? Because like Harold Lloyd in moments like that, when he finally gets the girl at the end, they hug and he has this look on his face of going, now what do I do? Mm, um, that yeah. pure <laughs> naivety. He was, Harold Lloyd was that pure American apple pie, good boy, you know, butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. Um, whereas Buster Keaton, there has that element of going, okay, I'll do what the camera does. And at the end, uh, is he there going... Whoa, 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 handshakes lead to babies or a kiss leads to babies or is a part of him going, yikes, I didn't want to go that far. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, that's the film. It's good stuff. Go watch it if you haven't yet. It's probably free on YouTube like most of the films from this era. Yeah. Um, good stuff to go go check it out. 
Go go to a film festival with lots of film bros and see it there. You know? <laughs> That's the true experience, right? Damn right. Yeah. I think film bros only acknowledge movies from like the 90s onwards. So I think we're fine. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, gosh darn tootin', howdy, hello. It's me, Mr. Seller McSelly, and I'm here for another ad. If you're enjoying the podcast you're listening to right now, oldie buddy goody, and you want to find a way to support the hosts, well, then you can. This episode is brought to you, as always, by the patrons over on patreon.com forward slash oldie buddy goody pod. Why, over there you can get stuff like ad-free episodes and bonus content, and here's a clip from one of those latest episodes on Friday the 13th, part two. The wheelchair guy, as he's going around, gets a, like, macheted in the face. Uh, very insult to injury, I say. That he killed he killed a guy in wheelchair, yeah. and then he fell down the stairs. Yeah, Jason was really punching down with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm cancelling Jason on Twitter after that one. That's, that's not okay, I think man. he should be arrested for murders, actually, this guy. Oh, right, yeah. We should probably do that first. Yeah. My gosh darn howden tootin' funny times. It tickles my funny bone. Yes, it does. Patreon.com forward slash oldie butter goodie pod. Get it now or be sad, I guess. I don't know. It's it's optional. Do whatever you want. I'm Sally McSeller. Here's the rest of the episode. Yeehaw! I'm an American still. All right, before we wrap this episode up, let's come up with a remake of Sherlock Jr., which I think, Ooh, like, yes. out of all the films that we've come up with remakes for so far, this is the most pointless one. But <laughs> let's do it. The first thing I thought we, of- We really need another Sherlock remake, I think. <laughs> we really do. When was the last one? Was it- Oh, it would have been Enola Holmes was the last Sherlock thing we got. Yeah. Um, and the sequel- uh, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock 3 is coming soon, I think, might be the next one. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Ugh. But a sequel to this film, we we, we got to come up with a director and we got to recast three characters. Those characters, of course, being Buster Keaton, uh, the love interest, the sheik slash the villain, the butler, who was the, uh, the evil second uh, right-hand man, and also the dad. The dad. Recast the dad. Yeah. Um, but my first thought was, immediately for director, I was like, Sam Raimi. Ooh. You know, you got slapstick, you got in-camera effects, who does that well? He even did it in a Marvel movie. Like, how did he get away with doing in-camera tricks in a Marvel film? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I reckon Sam Raimi would be good. He has done slapstick before. He did Crime Wave with the Coen brothers and it's really bad. But, uh, so I would like to give him an opportunity to make a good slapstick movie. I mean, technically the Evil Dead films are slapstick, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, well, I see you're Raimi and I, uh, r- raise you, uh, Michelle Gondry. Michelle Gondry? Okay. Michelle Gondry did, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and, uh, so many great film clips like, uh, the Come Into My World film clip with, uh, Carly Minogue. And he is all about in-camera trickery. So some of the most incredible sequences in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind were all done via camera trickery as opposed to CGI stuff. Um, and he gained uh, a name for himself by clever, 
in-camera stuff that didn't rely on CGI stuff. So, um, yeah, that's my vote, Michelle Gondry. I think that's good. How about you, Zach? I don't know. That sounds good. I, I don't have any great suggestions for this. I was trying to think of one while you guys were doing this, but, like, I like either one. You can only pick ones! Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. I'm going to go with the guest to pander to them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like that director. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Who do we recast Keaton's character as? Because we've already got Kevin Hart as Charlie Chaplin and Kate McKinnon as Harold Lloyd. Who, who is Buster Keaton? Well, I have an idea. I've been thinking about it. I, I thought of uh, Bill Hader. <laughs> oh, I do love Bill Hader. Bill Hader is incredible at doing dramatic stuff. He's incredible at being silly and weird and over the top. He's great with his impressions. I could I could see him pretending to be someone pretending to be Sherlock. <laughs> yes, <laughs> me too. Yeah. Me too. I can see it. Yeah. That's a really good pick. I like that. I was going to be like, maybe he's too old, but also no. Like Barry, he's still in stunts. So yeah, he could definitely do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is this, uh, are we doing a silent film? Because that's that's the thing, Rob. What what's your thoughts? You could choose because we're 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 making a modern remake right now, right? So yeah. we can do it either way. What would you prefer? You can have the best of both worlds, Zach. You can have like all what? the stuff. I know all the stuff within the reality is speaking and talking and stuff like that. And once you go into the world of cinema, go go full silent. Man, the, f- the film bros would love this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. I I like that a lot. That's a really good one. And the movie does work that way. We can have our cake and eat it too. Perfect. My uh, my vote for the uh, chic is Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. And yes. <laughs> yep. Lock it in. Lock it in. Cumberbatch is so the chic. Because it, it, it works because he could play a chic well. And it's also funny because he's not the Sherlock character in this. <laughs> It works. Well, I've got a choice for the girl. Yeah. Uh, worked with Bill Hader on Saturday Night Live. They've done a couple of films together. They did Summerland. They did another film where they played brother and sister. Um, uh, Kristen Wiig, who's a great, you know, Kristen Wiig, I think would be great because that, you know, bring out more of that, uh, not a damsel in distress, actually going out and helping, you know, prove uh, uh, the projectionist or yeah, Buster Keaton's um, innocence. So yeah, and Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader have amazing chemistry. Their scenes that they did together on Saturday Night Live are legendary and their movies together are quite sweet as well. Uh, it'd be funny to see them being like very coy. <laughs> yeah. And and like, like oh, we want to get together, but oh, we're, you know, we, we don't want to look, we're too shy. You know? <laughs> That's very, that'd be very funny. That would be good. And she's also like, I can picture her putting on a very funny, like old timey accent for the film <laughs> portion as well, because she's great with that, like the Vista Tilma movie where she's got the dumbest accent on the entire time, but completely sells it. Oh, yeah. Like, would be great. Like the, um, the dream sequences in Secret Life of Walter her and Ben Stiller play off each other so well and she just goes that silly ridiculous crazy yep. um, uh, characterization just turned up to 11. Uh, Zach I hate to do it again but Danny DeVito is the butler <laughs> oh my god god damn it <laughs> we can't put Danny DeVito in every movie Sandra I know it's obviously correct that we have to put him in every movie but then he's gonna be too busy he's got too many films to do now but like also yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah Danny DeVito <laughs> I mean, who else? Who else? Could I can't we put? think of anyone else for the butler. The problem is, like, once you picture Danny DeVito in a role, you can't picture anyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no one else like Danny DeVito. That's that's the problem. And we got the dad. Who do you think? 
I've got I've got two options, so make of it what you will. You either get in, um, so like keeping it all around the Bill Hader world. So you either bring in Henry Winkler, or <laughs> or you get uh, Andre Brower, the ultimate uh, father maternal figure, uh, Andre Brower from Brooklyn Nine Nine and Homicide Life on the Street. So yeah, mm, he's good. He's good. Oh, but Henry Winkler's good too. Oh, season yeah. three of Barry. I just I uh, where was that? Where did that performance come from, Henry Winkler? <laughs> um, so it was Henry Winkler. What was the other one? Andre Brower, uh, he's the police captain in in uh... in uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, he's amazing. That would be really funny. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm just imagining the character, the 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 like no expressions character <laughs> as the dad. I am heartbroken that you have stolen from me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's him. It's him. Yeah, <laughs> it's Andre Brower. Well, there we go. There is our remake done and dusted. And that is the episode two. Thank you so much for coming on uh, for the first time this year, Rob. I'm I'm sure you'll be back on again because you always are at least twice a year. (laughs) (laughs) Pleasure to see you again, guys, and chat to you guys again. It's awesome to be here um, with this new direction for uh, Oldie But A Goodie. I love it. And uh, you, I mean, we are doing shows, but you're doing another show as well. But we're doing shows soon. And I... plug them where can people see you live because it's not just in melbourne what it's not just in melbourne now it's festival season guys it's summertime so that means all the sport happens but also all the arts happen this is like the first time in a long time where everything is not no, no restrictions no fear no well there's fear obviously still but we're all just downplaying it and trying to bury it deep inside and it'll eat away just like a cancer um <laughs> that's too real <laughs> <laughs> it's a comedy podcast anyway yay but yeah everything's open everything's going everyone's going out doing stuff so it's a big time i'm taking two shows over to the adelaide fringe festival so mm-hmm. i'm taking my uh uh monster uh, hit shakespeare aliens that i've done two times in melbourne we're taking it over to adelaide for the fringe festival there at the goodwood theater in goodwood in adelaide uh we'll be there from the 28th tuesday the 28th of uh february to the sunday the 5th of march 7 30 at the goodwood theater all tickets from adelaide fringe and the following week i am uh over there with Mr. David Innes, my comedy partner, and we're bringing back our 2017 Comedy Festival show, rewritten it, restaging it, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. We're yes. doing that at the Alley Cat through the Rhino Room, and um, we'll be on there from the uh, 5th, 5th of March to the 12th of March. Uh, and yeah, all on Adelaide Fringe website. And then Comedy Festival comes up two weeks after that. And Innes and I are bringing back our improvised Doctor Who uh, show Time Lord mm. for uh, Comedy Festival. Uh, Sandro will be there uh, helping out doing his improvisational lighting and sound. And we'll have our, our cast of excellent improvisers creating uh, spontaneous stories through space and time inspired by your suggestions at the Butterfly Club. Go check out Comedy Festival website for more details. Links in all the descriptions. I don't know. Time travel storylines are always so convoluted and dumb. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but Doctor Who's not about time travel, Zach. It, well, oh, it that's kinda true. Actually, it depends on who's writing. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's very true. There are links to that in the episode description. And yeah, if uh, for some reason at the start of March you're like, why is uh, Sandro's audio different? It's because I'm recording from Adelaide. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You'll be in Adelaide with me. I'm taking you over to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, and that's the episode right there. Uh, we are on all the socials. You can follow us on everything. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash oldiebodygoodypod for bonus and ad-free stuff as well. Uh, I think Friday the 13th 2 is out now. And oh, speaking of Danny DeVito, we did a poll and our next bonus episode is going to be on Throw Mama from the Train. <laughs> hey, awesome. With um, Billy Crystal and the fabulous actress from uh, Goonies. I've been, I've been looking forward to this one. <laughs> and then we're doing Turbulence 3 Heavy Metal and the Deuce Bigelow film, so it's great. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's links to everything in the episode description. Uh, Zach, we, I, I've got to pick what we're doing next week, I think, which is uh, the year 1925. Um, I'm having a look. I'm having a look here, and there's a lot of different stuff that came out. A version of The Wizard of Oz came out then, but obviously it's not the one, so we might want to hold off on that for a bit uh charlie chaplin's the gold rush which i have seen it's a pretty good one but we've already done the chap already and i think one thing that we haven't done zach Mm. and one thing that i love from this era of fiction is uh adventure movies oh yeah journey to the center of the earth type movies as well oh those are my favorite movies yes and i want to see how they do them in the silent era Uh, so i'm gonna pick uh speaking of sherlock based off a book by arthur conan doyle Let's do The Lost World. Oh, fantastic. Yes, you're definitely picking that out of your own free choice and not because I have a gun at your head right now <laughs> forcing you to pick that one. And this is a, a throwback to just a couple of minutes ago, the actress from Goonies and um, Scrooge and Ramsey. So I just wanted to say that. I do remember her name, so don't at me in the comment section. <laughs> no, do Anne it. Ramsey. No, do it. Engagement. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, do it. Yeah, Kurt. Yeah, do it. And just say, you are wonderful, Rob, for getting that right. Anne Ramsey deserves all the credit. <laughs> so yeah, do, go against the flow of what you do normally in comments and put negative stuff. Bring a bit of positivity and love my way. Exactly. Now, all the YouTube comments are still going to be, I just wanted to watch the film. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I want to see how they do silent dinosaurs. That could be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Lost World series. It's one of my favorite books. So I'm I'm glad that you chose that one. And I definitely didn't tell you to pick that one or else. <laughs> we should uh, zap Rob back to the future, get that orphan back and open up that portal over there. Let's do that right now. Let me just... Um... Absolutely. Careful. This may cause a bit of nausea, Rob. Okay. Whoa! <laughs> oh my gosh, what happened there? I was, I felt out of sorts for a good two hours there. <laughs> I'm going to get in that portal. I'll see you in 1925, Zach, and uh, we're just going to do it all again. See you next week. And don't remember, until next time, keep jumping on trains. <laughs> see ya. Keep breaking your neck. No, don't do that. <laughs> your leg, maybe. Leg, leg, leg. Thank you.